with me for just a moment as I read this morning's scripture. We're in John 15, and it says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Father, you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Lord, we need you. Our world is broken. Our communities are hurting our friends are suffering. Lord, help us to remember your benefits. God, you forgive all of our sins. You heal all our diseases. You redeem our life from the pit. You crown us with steadfast love and mercy. You satisfy us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord, would you please heal those who are suffering from cancer, from COVID, and so many other illnesses. Please help us be your hands and your feet, Jesus, to minister to those who are in need. Help us to show your love to others, to love our neighbors, to love our enemies. Lord, please give us uh, wisdom. Would you also give wisdom to our, our local, regional, state, and federal administrators? Give our elders and staff wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do it. Please bless Brent now as he preaches to us your word. Uh, please illuminate the truth to us individually and corporately. 
soften our hearts to hear. Lord, we have ears. Let us hear the truth. Uh, Let us confess our iniquities and let us walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for you to imagine with me for just a moment that you were a master gardener. And at your home today, as you left, awaited for you your large vineyard and garden that you tended to. And while you were there, you were working diligently to to prune the branches. It's your garden. It's your skill set, your master knowledge. You've planted, you've tended, you've watered. And while you're working your land, a stranger walks by and begins critiquing you. They see a stack of branches that you've pruned off. And they begin to criticize you. They come upon your land and they say, what are, you, what are you doing? You have no right to cut those branches. Why did you prune that there? What are you doing? And, and rather than immediately responding in offense, you begin to explain to them why you've pruned what you're pruning and what your intentions are as a good vine dresser, a good gardener, to be able to prune for growth and for fruit. It's your prerogative. It's your garden. How would you respond in that situation? In reality, you don't even owe them an explanation because it's it's yours. You're the vine dresser. You're the garden. Who are they to come in to critique? This morning in John chapter 15, we're reminded of two unbelievably powerful realities. Number one is that all of the earth is the vine dressers. It's all God's. That the vine dresser, the Father, He tends to the earth and He bears forth fruit. That there's no purposeless judgment, there's no purposeless suffering, there's no purposeless events, but the Father prunes. And the immediate context is Jesus is walking with His disciples to the Mount of Olives. He gives this statement that He is the vine of health, no longer the temple for the people of God, for the Israelite. Jesus is the vine that brings forth the harvest of life. And all who abide in Jesus, the Jew first and the Gentile, will have life. They will bear forth a beautiful harvest, bountiful fruit. But to all those who do not, they will wither and experience the ruin of rejecting the vine. This is what we see in our text this morning. If we had more time, we would go through all of John 15, for in the statements that we have this morning that we want to set our minds on to grasp very clearly of who the vine dresser is and our calling to abide in the vine and the fruit that comes from this, he's preparing the disciples for words he's going to be honest with in a matter of moments of the reality of the suffering that awaits them because they are his friends. They abide in Him, and in Him they have life, and they will bear forth fruit. And that fruit will come in a land of suffering, even unto death. But the vine dresser always prunes with purpose. The disciples, as they looked around, were missing one. Judas was no longer with them. He'd been pruned from their presence. The judgment of God had already begun. Why would He do such a thing? He would do such a thing out of love out of love. 
working a harvest. This morning, as we come to this text and we begin with this truth that all of the earth is God's vineyard and His vineyard contains two types of branches. Before looking at the harvest and looking at the unfruitful branch and the fruitful branch this morning, perhaps you're at a place in your life where you have known of Jesus, you've been around the vine, but you've never trusted in Jesus. You would certainly say you don't abide in and rest in Jesus. My hope for you, my sincere desire to honor this text is that you wouldn't in your mind think putting off Jesus is a solution for you are a dead branch. And dead branches don't need more time. Dead branches need a miracle. They need life. But the good news is all who abide in Jesus, all who trust in Jesus, all who rest in Jesus, they have life. That's good news. That's the love of our God this morning that we sit in. So let's look first as we look at the fruitless branches or the unfruitful branches. All of the earth is God's vineyard. And his vineyard contains two types of branches. Let's look first at the unfruitful branches. Verses 1 and 2 and verse 6 reference them. Now, what I want to do is we prepare to address the understanding of the vine and the vine dresser. I want you to look in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 80. There's a number of references we could read actually in the Psalms and Isaiah as well, Isaiah chapter 5 among them. But I want to just look quickly at Psalm 80. Psalm 80. If you're in the Pewback Bible, that's page 491. If you're in your personal Bible you brought, that's page 615. That'd be crazy if that's right for somebody. Psalm 80. In many occasions, and and many of these alluding to times of judgment that were either about to come upon Israel or had already experienced, in which the, the psalmist is writing of the hope of coming deliverance. The Lord has referred to Israel as this vine, planted by God, sprouting out through the land that He has promised to give them. And in Psalm 80 in particular, I'm going to skip around and read a little bit here very quickly. But if you look at verse 1 of Psalm 80, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. We've seen already Jesus refer to Himself as the good shepherd, lays down His life for the flock. They're lamenting the judgment that is to come and Scroll down to verse 7. The psalmist cries out, Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and you planted it. You cleared the ground for it. So the judgment upon the nations to the Canaanites. It took deep root and it filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and it shoots to the river. It's fulfilling the covenant faithful promise that the Lord had given them as the people will be fruitful and multiply, filling the land. Down to verse 14. Knowing that the judgment is about to befall them, turn again, O God of hosts, they pray. Look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine. Speaking of Israel. His people, the stock that your right hand planted for the son whom you made strong for yourself, they have burned it with fire. They have cut it down, the judgment that's come upon Israel. Verse 18, 
Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Jesus comes and says, all who abide in him have life. And for the Israelite who hears this, to reject Jesus, to not abide in Jesus, is to choose to not have life. It's to choose death. It's to choose to be the withering ones. But all who abide in Jesus, they have life. Verse 6 gives us more definition to this. If anyone does not abide in Jesus, they are thrown away in the fire and, and burned. So Jesus, is He's communicated so clearly for us in the Gospel of John, His unity to the Father, and we'll see in the coming chapters the unity of the Spirit to the Father and the Son, in essence. And Jesus makes clear that those who not abide in Him, do not abide in Him, their lot is judgment. And the Father is intricately involved in the pruning. So the good Jew from the high priest down to the beggar is forced with a decision. Jesus is the sent one from the Father. He is the promised Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Lamb of God sent to take away the sins of the world. And by belief in Him, I have life. Or, no thank you. Or, let's kill Him. But the end of those two final conclusions is the same. They will receive the judgment. For they've chosen their lot, and their lot is death. Their lot is judgment. What sounds as harsh is actually both just toward the dead vine, for the dead branches on the vine choose death. It's what they long for. So God's judgment upon those who do not abide in Christ is two things. Number one, it's just as the dead branches receive what they deserve. From the Jew in this context that will not trust Christ, likewise to the Gentile that will not trust Christ, it's just for God to give them judgment. And it's also merciful upon the fruitful branches, for it will lead them to bear forth more fruit. Now, I am not a master gardener, but the reality of a dead or dying branch that either takes nutrients or attracts pests to further impact and negatively impact the plant. It's kindness that God demonstrates upon the disciples to prune out Judas. The master vine dresser is always precise. He's always precise. The question then for you, if you've not trusted in Christ and You've heard this before. You've maybe said this before in your life. Maybe when I get older, maybe when I get this area of my life under control, and it is though a dead branch is saying, if I just have a little more time, you're dead. And the question that we see before us is, do I believe in Jesus I have life or not? To ask forgiveness, to come to life in Christ, to abide in Christ, it's not a message of try harder it's a message of repent and believe in Christ, the good vine. Detach from the plastic, faulty vines of this world and abide in Christ. 
God is faithful. He's faithful likewise to Israel. The nation of Israel, though they experienced the judgment and their overall larger rejection of Christ, a time will come yet future when the fullness of Gentiles, the fullness of us, will come to faith in Christ. We've been grafted in by faith in which national Israel will come to faith in Jesus. This massive outpouring of national Israel will come to believe in Christ and in their believing in Christ, not by the temple works, but by faith in the Messiah. He will bless them and in blessing them, He will bless the nations in unfathomable ways yet future. But to the Jew and to the Gentile likewise today, it is only by faith in the Son that we have life. And apart from Him, we will be unfruitful. So, unfruitful branches, but the the vineyard of the Father has also fruitful branches. We look in verse 2 through 5 and then 9 and 10 as well. Tell me about those. Well, these will be lovingly pruned by the Father. The unfruitful branches and the fruitful branches. The fruitful branches will be lovingly pruned by the Word of God. God, why do you prune? The answer, he tells us, is that you may bear more fruit. But God, that makes me uncomfortable. That you may bear more fruit. But God, I just don't want to. That you may bear more fruit. Next week, he'll tell them that he's going to send the Spirit. The Spirit will come and indwell them, and the Spirit will testify to all the world. And there in the implications to the disciples is that you will be sent, you will scatter but God, I don't want to, that you may bear more fruit. In your life, what are the, but God, I don't want to's. The comfort zones that the Lord pushes us through, that you may bear more fruit. It's the love of the vine dresser to prune with the Word of God that brings us to bear more fruit. The Word of God is a sword, but it's also shears. To prune forth at the appropriate time in the perfect places. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction and righteousness. The man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And a word fruitful. Hebrews 4, 12 through 14. For the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature, no creature is hidden from His sight. We might say no branch is hidden from the vine dresser. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Since then we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, the Son of God, Let us hold fast to the confession. In a word, fruitful. The Lord uses the Word of God to prune His branches. So believers, when we neglect the Word of God, when we neglect the gathering together of the body, when we neglect reading the Word with our families, when we we neglect hiding God's Word in our heart, we are asking For the opposite of Isaiah 40, we are asking God, God, I don't want to wait on your way. I want to run and I want to grow weary. I don't want to 
fly on wings like eagles. I want to grow faint. But to the believer, we have life abundantly. To the believer, as the Lord prunes us by His Word, He grows us in health because He loves you. He loves us. He loves us enough to desire us to be fruitful. Parents discipline their children enough because they love them. Because they love them. Fruitfulness. Confession, when I moved here, I don't know if you've listened to the midweek podcast, but we were able to hear from Katie and Jonathan, and we have a great facilities and maintenance team. And when I moved here, I was so impressed with these spiral bushes that are outside of the Discover building. I thought, our fam team is incredible. Whoever maintains those, i got to meet them because they are amazing. I've never seen bushes so well manicured. Six months passed, a year passed. Over a year I was here before I realized those bushes are plastic. <laughs> Truly, I was thinking somebody was manicuring only those, but not the bushes three feet away from They looked really, really good, but they were not bearing fruit. When we, even as believers, aim to act in our own strength, we can look for a season really, really good. But we will not bear the fruit that God calls us to. And He manicures His bride in love with His Word. That's the love of the Lord. That is true love. The one who purchased our salvation in Christ, the Father, sending of the Son. That's true love. And He loves us enough to prune us with His Word. Verses 9 and 10, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's and abide in His love. The perfect love of God. It flows from God and it keeps His promises. We are recipients of the love of God. We did nothing to merit God's saving love upon us. He didn't look and see something winsome in us. It was His gracious saving love He lavished upon us. And as believers, we reflect that love. We testify of that love. The goodness and faithfulness of our God. That all who abide in Christ have life Not try harder and you'll be like us, but come and by faith abide in Christ and receive life eternal. That's good news. That's the Lord who prunes us by His Word from His love. As Stephen explained at the beginning of the service, God, man, Christ in response. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. So we believe upon Christ and we have life. That's the news we proclaim. We structure our service in that way. We often have a time of, uh, of response. Confessions of sins and statement of assurance from the Word of God. We are observing the Lord's Supper on a monthly basis. We're weaving into our lives because we're often to forget the pruning by the Word of God. We believe in walking through Scripture, book by book, to sit in the Word of God and asking the Spirit, would you prune us? Prune us where we wouldn't prune ourselves. That's the goodness and love of God for His bride. Second, what do we see about the fruitful branches? Verses 7 and 8. 
these will find their will aligning with the vine dressers for His glory. Not only do we see of the fruitful branches that their lives will be pruned by the Word of God, but they will find that their wills are beginning increasingly to align with the will of the vine dresser. They will be increasingly and increasingly satisfied and at peace when the will of the vine dresser is done, not when all of our preferences get met. That's this maturity component. And so the Word of God in this way is milk for the baby. It's milk for the baby. And it is a meaty feast for the full-grown adult. That's the goodness of the Word of God. And when you hear children make noise in the service, remember that the same Lord who loves you is nurturing and loves them and cares for them. And the Word of God is the same supplement that encourages and builds them up with the right nutrients and the right mix. That's our God's love for us. What we see happening in our life, and look in verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. If you abide in me, my word abides in you. Ask whatever you wish. One of the first times I read the Gospel of John, I remember struck in my mind, ask whatever I wish? Jackpot. Christmas is going to be good to me this year. I just read it last month. No, I've read it before that. But as I've matured in my faith, and as you likewise have matured in your walk with the Lord, you have found your will bending to the will of the vine dresser. The things that have brought you more peace and joy have been the things that please and honor the Lord according to His Word. And it's the things that grieve the Lord bring you now the most grief. And you find your heart praying for people in a way that aligns with the will of the Lord. Last week, we spent time before our Lord's Supper component writing on cards. We asked people to send us emails. We wanted to pray and encourage each other. To bear each other's burdens. In Grace Bible, you have many burdens. And you know what was a consistent burden as we mailed those out this week and prayed over those as well? As parents grieved and burdened for their children, that their children would mature in Christ. Either confess faith in Christ, or if they've confessed faith in Christ, to walk after Jesus. Grandparents burdened for their grandkids. Not that their grandkid would get into a good school, but that's a good thing, a thing they should pray for, and all those other things that come with it. But the main burden that grandparents shared was a burden that their grandkids would come to faith in Christ and mature in the Lord. And you know what college students, I presume many college students were writing? That their parents would come to faith in Christ. That they would have missionary in incentives and a mindset this year and whatever campus and school looks like. What we see in fruitful branches is that their wills begin to align with the will of the vine dresser. And so church body, He deploys us and sends us and He loves us and He gives us burdens. And those burdens, though great, those burdens in a way are assuring and beautiful. As we see our groaning matching to the groaning of the Lord and groaning to the groaning of the Spirit to ask that He would lead many to salvation and He would grow us and shape us in a beautiful, powerful way. May God's Word, as Jesus says here to His disciples, abide in them.
And may we as a church family be consistent and constant to always ask the desires of our heart before Him. To not be discouraged and to stop seeking Him, but to always bring them before Him. For as we mature, we honor the Lord. And as we pray, His yeses, His noes, His not yets, they glorify Him and they bless us as the body and bride of Christ. So, all of the earth is God's vineyard. And secondly, let's speak about the bountiful harvest. Second, all of God's fruit brings forth a beautiful harvest. The fruit that the vine dresser aims to produce in our lives that comes from abiding in the vine is one that brings forth a beautiful harvest. Now, the later verses here of chapter 15 that we're looking at now, they really go back and help to unpack the metaphor, the example of the vine and the vine dresser. So here we get a little more texture to what Jesus is telling them in the first several verses. So let's focus now on the fruit, the harvest that is to come, the fruit that God produces as a master gardener to those connected by faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. What kind of harvest? Look at verse 11. We're looking and talking about a harvest of joy in the life of a believer. A harvest of joy in the life of a believer. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus says to the disciples, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full or mature or complete. Where did Jesus' joy come from? Where did the joy of Jesus come from? Did it come from His circumstances? I'd say probably not because Jesus, by all admissions, has had a pretty crummy day. Right? He has had a really rough week, a rough 24 hours. But Jesus already told us, actually, in John chapter 5, where His joy comes from. His joy comes in knowing and seeing the working of His Father and joining Him in that work. His, come, his joy comes in being united to the Father. The one in whom He is well pleased. Jesus' joy is in His relationship with the Father and in joining the work of the Father and doing all the Father has given Him to do. Walking in the will of the Father. His joy, Jesus' joy, is not rooted to His outward circumstances. And as a believer, we are the same. For we are abiding in the vine, so our joy is the same. It's easy to say, isn't it? It's easy to preach. That was easy for me to say. I got through those words pretty easily. But it's hard for me to believe, oftentimes, that my joy is to be rooted as being of the Beloved. That my true and deepest joy comes not in my circumstances, but in my relationship and walking out the will of Christ for my life. It's hard to practice. It's easy to say, but it's true. Joy, then, believer, is found in Christ. How tempting it is to look at the world. If we don't have our joy rooted in Christ, we will look like the world, and the world is always joyless. It doesn't look like that. I've never seen joyless commercials. It would be the worst marketing campaign ever. But the world is joyless. It is filled with plastic vines. The world is joyless, but it has the greatest PR firm ever. 
And the danger for the believer is to look and to covet the plastic vines. And when we do so, even though our joy is hidden in Christ and it's accessible to us, that we receive as a benefit, a fruit of abiding in Christ, we will find ourselves increasingly joyless. And there's few things more unnatural or disturbing than a joyless believer. So, you're forewarned right now. I'm going to put an image on the screen that may be jarring to you. Koala bears. Koala bears are adorable, right? They're beautiful, sweet little creatures. But a koala bear that is soaked is completely disturbing. So that nightmare fuel I just gave you, I apologize for that. But that's unnatural. That's not at all what you would think of with a koala bear. My son's got like four different, he's got a whole family of little koala bear toys. If they look like that, I would never give him to them. It wouldn't happen. So too, the believer who believes their joy is found in our circumstances. We will be unnatural. We will be appalling and distasteful, not only to the world, but to each other. Joyless believers. That's not the fruit that the Lord prunes in our hearts. The Lord prunes our circumstances to bring us to truly abide in the vine who is Jesus. But we struggle to believe that, don't we? But part of the joy of being in a local church family, building community as a family, being renewed by the power of Christ's love, is that we're able to love each other when we look like this. And we're able to come and put our arm around each other and pray with each other. As we experience loss and death and grief and the hurts and struggles and insecurities of this life and remind each other that we are bound by the new covenant made in Christ's blood. In Him we find life. In Him we find joy. Second, we see not only a harvest of joy in the life of a believer, but a harvest of sacrificial service for the blessing of others. A harvest of sacrificial service for the blessing of others. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now back in chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus told His disciples, a new commandment I give you. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to keep it for yourself. No, you also are to love one another. So in chapter 13, if that was a new commandment, now he says it again in chapter 15, it's a newly used commandment, right? That was the worst dad joke I've ever made, and nobody got it at all. If it was a new commandment, it's like a car, it's newly used. I really just destroyed all momentum that we had built up at this point. So there's no second service at all. So there is no way to redeem myself today. A harvest of sacrificial service for the blessing of others. The love of God is marked by a quality of sacrificial service. He says that you love one another. And in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is about to love his disciples and his bride, a people of all nations, tribes, and tongues. Sinners saved by the grace of God and the blood of Christ. 
And believers who are marked by that love are to model a sacrificial, serving kind of love. Jesus refers to His disciples here as friends. Now this, we use the word friend quite often. But in that culture, and Jesus speaking specifically to His disciples, reminding them that He chose them. The disciples didn't choose Him. He chose His disciples. And it's important to remember that they're still His servants. But He calls them friends. Why? He tells us because He has told them His business. He's telling them what's to come. And next week, as we finish off chapter 15, He will flesh out the suffering that is before them. But He's told them this business is friends. And it is by faith in Christ anyone can move from foe to friend. That's how great our Savior is. It's not how small our sin is. It's how great our Savior is. It's good news. Yes, we ask and we ask with wills bent in His direction. But just as you have two friends that begin to shape each other over time, the disciple, the the one who follows after Christ, our wills are, are shaped to His will. Roman does such a great job in discipling many in the time that he spends with our college students and other young adults alike. But it's so neat in my short time being here to see these young adults. They're not this big. I don't know why I always do this thing. Like a college student is one inch tall. I don't know why I do this. They're not this tall either. I don't know why I keep doing this in my arm. But his time he spends with college students in a little bit of time, a couple years' time, to see the fruit that's able to develop by God's grace. He would tell you that. By God's grace. By intentional pruning. That's what the Lord does in our lives. He shapes our wills as He bends them to His will. It's fruitfulness that God gets the glory for. It's fruitfulness that we pray for. It's fruitfulness that we long for. And so in our prayers, we ask honestly to the Lord, Lord, would You work in this way? But Lord, bring forth Your fruit When life hurts, I trust you, vine dresser. I trust you. Bring forth your fruit. It's a harvest of joy, loving, sacrificial service for the blessing of others. We give, and it often hurts. But thirdly, it leads to a harvest of perseverance that will withstand the test of time, verses 16 and 17. Tell me about this harvest. It's a harvest of perseverance that itself will stand the test of time, this loving harvest. What about the fruit in verse 16? That your fruit should abide. It is an abiding fruit. The fruit that the disciples produced, 30, 60, 100 fold, it was not fruit that stopped when they died. The fruit believer that you bear forth is not fruit that stops when you die. It bears forth in the life of others. So we must ask ourselves, older or younger, What kind of legacy do I want to leave? As believers in Christ, in a way, we're kind of like led by the Spirit as little vine dressers. Spirit, what do you want me to prune in my life? What about those that I have influence in? Parents have to ask themselves of their children, what kind of legacy do I ultimately want to see in my children? What do I want to instill in them? And Lord, help me to act appropriately. We must make that decision in our places of work, in our trips to the grocery store, And all along the way, 
Till death do we part this world and gain Christ. Lord, what do you want to prune through me and by me for your glory? Produce a fruit that lasts. Have you ever thought about the fact that even our congregation, those gathered here in person and those watching online likewise, but us gathered here, we are a part of the fruit produced by the work of other believers who have abided in Christ, who have faithfully proclaimed the gospel, faithfully prayed, faithfully interceded. We're a part of their fruit. And we continue to bear forth fruit in all circumstances of life. That is good news. And that is fruit that will withstand all things. The gates of hell, every politician, every nation, every king, the fruit that the Lord provides is a persevering fruit that will outlive even our death date on this earth. Next steps. Two next steps this morning. Proverbs 3.12 tells us, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. The Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son, in whom he delights. Would you take time today to thank the Lord for pruning your life in seasons when you found yourself coveting plastic vines, coveting false foundations, when He disciplined you or brought you back into the vine, reminded you of who you are as a beloved of the Lord in Christ. Take time today to speak with the Lord and thank Him for His kindness the second, pruning is rarely comfortable, but it's always purposefully done for our good to draw us near to Jesus. A challenge to you is would you consider sharing with a friend this week how God has used discomfort in your life to bring you into a deeper relationship with Himself? Every song that Stephen has chosen for us today confesses this chapter. It's in Christ alone. My hope is found. And this morning, if you're here and you would say, you know, I did not enter as though Christ is my hope. Confess that to the Lord. Sing His praises this morning. If you don't know Christ, let us know on a connect card. Speak with a pastor or a, even their church member here before you leave. Let us know so we can walk with you and celebrate the newness of life that is yours by faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so as we stand together to sing this song, we sing it as those who abide in the vine in Christ alone. Let's stand together as we worship.